Well, thank you, Kara. From uh, New York City to Catonsville to your home, welcome to New Hope Community Church. Uh, so glad you're joining us this morning. We are uh, uh, grateful to have uh, Mike Sutton, our guest worship leader, with us this morning, uh, as well as uh, special guest Colin McGue was was up there under that mask. You can you can see that. So we're just uh, we're having a great time this morning, and thank you for joining us. Um, just a, a few words. Um, uh, again, we we are. Uh, as you saw in the Inu Hope last week, we are suspending in-person worship again for the for the time being, uh, just because of those rising pandemic numbers. Um, we don't know how long that's going to be. Uh, hopefully, it's going to be a short time, and hopefully, we're praying for the effectiveness of this vaccine. But along with the rest of the world, we um, are just uh, are just uncertain about what's going to happen from here. Uh, but we just covered your prayers as the as the leadership of New Hope, you know, makes difficult decisions about these things. Um, as we all are making these difficult decisions about the things that we're involved in, our work, our uh, schools, our, uh, the, the, the time we spend with, with friends and family. Uh, it's a difficult time, um, but there's never been a more important time for the church to be the church. And so, again, we are, uh, we are grateful for you. I um, wanted to also put a, a, just a special word of prayer uh, out to the polling family. Um, uh, Mary actually uh, would have been here this morning, but she is in Pennsylvania right now uh, being with her family. Um, apparently, uh, her, her father, Jack, uh, is going to transition from, he's been in the hospital for the past week, and he's going to transition into a nursing facility within the next couple of days. Um, and we just want to pray for, for their family, for Jack and his wife, Faith, and for Mary and their entire family as they make these difficult decisions about the, the safe ways to, to transition to that nursing facility. So um, I wonder if you would join me in, in prayer right now for that. Father, we're so grateful for the, the polling family and, um, and Mary's uh, parents, Jack and Faith, Fasold. Uh, Lord, we, uh, we just ask that your hand, um, your presence be with Jack right now. Uh, it's a confusing time, I'm sure, for him as, as he's uh, unable to, to communicate um, uh, in, in the way that the, that the family would like uh, with his family. Um, uh, we're grateful for um, the video chats, and we're grateful for the technology that allows them to have some conversations. But Lord, um, if, uh, if there's any way for this family to, to see Jack within the next few days, we boldly ask for that. Uh, but Lord, we, we above all just ask that your, your hand would be on him and on their entire family as they make these difficult decisions. Um, Lord, we, uh, we love the polling family and everything that they've been and, um, to our church, uh, and we, just, uh, we are confident in your continued faithfulness in their family. In the most holy name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. So, um, this morning... We are continuing, or not continuing, we're starting Advent. You've finished your turkey dinner, you've, 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 you've had your leftovers. I'm on my like third or fourth round of leftovers. Yeah, I know it's not like three or four days, but anyway. Um, and now we're ready to start the Advent season, even though it's the, the last Sunday in, uh, in November. Um, <clears throat> so to do that, we're going to be in Psalm 80 today, and our friend, and your friend, and my friend, Jay Davies from Greater Than Ministries is here. Uh, so without further ado, would you please welcome Jay Davies. Nice. All right, good morning, everybody. Great to be with you all in your living room. Sad I can't be with you in person, but this, is, this will do for now, and I'm sure God will use it. So, 
I want to start off and read a scripture just to get us going, and it's Psalm 80, uh, 1 through 7. Hear us, shepherd of Israel, you who lead Joseph like a flock, you who sit enthroned between the cherubim, shine forth before Ephraim, Benjamin, and Manasseh, awaken your might, come and save us. Restore us, O God. Make your face shine on us that we might be saved. How long, Lord God Almighty, will your anger smolder against the prayers of your people? You have fed them with the bread of tears. You have made them drink tears by the bowlful. You have made us an object of derision to our neighbors, and our enemies mock us. Restore us, God Almighty. Make your face shine on us that we may be saved. Well, we'll get back to that in a bit. But this past July, I got to be with you all and I got to talk with you about faith. And if you remember, we had these pictures um, of Acadia. I think we, if you remember, I hiked the Beehive Trail with my family, which is this insane straight up rock scramble of a hike. And um, that was it looking up, if you might remember this pic, if you were with us on that day in July. And that is the view looking back down over the Atlantic Ocean. It's pretty insane. Uh, but it, it, was, it, was, it was awesome. Um, well, in many ways, God has come through for us. He's, he's, he's taking care of us. And in many ways, he's still leading us. Not necessarily towards the answers to every question that we have, but deeper into faith. Um, he just he says, look, here's what you need from me right now. I'm going to give it to you. Um, in Greater Than Ministries, a lot of really cool things are still happening. We're doing another round of the Enneagram, which we're just completing this coming week, uh, which I've been doing through Zoom. In fact, Wendy has been part of it with us, who's a part of this church. Uh, hi, Wendy. And um, we've also got... Um, a matching gift opportunity going on through Greater Than Ministries through January 8th, 2021. If anyone feels led to give, you can go to www.greaterthan.me slash give, and whatever you give will be doubled um, for, towards Greater Than Ministries. And, uh, and I gave a message on November 12th that I can, I can send out the link, or if Joe wants, if anyone wants it, we can get out to you, uh, about the vision of Greater Than Ministries and the heart for teens and young adults. Um, and not seeing them fall through the cracks, but come to Jesus in a bigger way than they ever thought before. So, a lot of great things are still happening. Just pray for us. Above all, would you pray for us? And, and if God leads you to support us, then I pray you will. But pray for us, please. Um, but good things are happening. And now I get to be with you as we move into the season of Advent. A season of anticipation, a season of expectation, a season of joy, a season of grief. Wait, what? That sounds a little strange. A season of grief. Here's what I mean. In order to grasp the extreme joy, we have to understand the extreme grief first. I'll give you um, a sports example of this. I don't know if you're a sports fan at all, but 
a very special thing happened here in Maryland two and a half years ago. Uh, about a, a school five miles from here, maybe even less than that. On March 16th, 2018, UMBC uh, basketball in the NCAA tournament, uh, they had an incredible upset of number one seed Virginia in the NCAA tournament. They were the first 16 seed to ever beat a number one seed. And it was huge. It was a party. And who wouldn't love it? And way to take the man down, put down the big team, the power team, show him the little guy can stand up to him. That's awesome. Except, often does this happen to church? I'm a Virginia fan. I'll tell you the story for a sec. My, My dad went to University of Virginia. And in our home, I was raised on Virginia basketball and lacrosse, probably more than anything else. And I I went to Towson University, but if they were to ever win a thing, it would be about as big as UMBC, uh, winning that 16 versus one game. Um, But so I grew up on Virginia, and for years, we, we were never great. We were never a Duke or Kentucky and suddenly in the last six, seven years, we've been great. Coach Tony Bennett rules. He's taken over things. And by the way, here's, here's Virginia's perspective that day. And, and always, we had this thing up until that point for always losing early in the tournament before we should have. But after that loss, I was talking to my dad and I was going, Dad, I don't know if I can be a Virginia fan anymore. They just keep losing in the most miserable ways. Oh, and there's Kyle Guy being led off by DeAndre Hunter. And Kyle Guy is the guy weeping into his jersey after that game. It was an incredible win. I wouldn't take anything away from that for UMBC, especially since I'm in UMBC territory here. I better be careful what I say. But, but you have to understand, from a Virginia standpoint, that was a pretty rough experience. But I hung in there. And I cheered on the team through the 2019 season. In fact, here's a picture of my dad and me, Jack Davies, at a UVA game in February of 2019. Uh, You know when we could actually go to a game with like 13,000 people and not worry about, I don't know, a virus. (laughs) But we were actually there, and they beat Notre Dame that day. And my daughter, Eliza, who was nine at the time, now 10, started following the team with me and watching every game and knowing all the players. It was the first team she's ever really gotten into. And then the NCAA tournament started, and Virginia kept winning, uh, like insane shots at the end, clutch free throws in one game. And then on April 8th, 2019, one year and 23 days after that loss to UMBC, Virginia won the national championship. Oh, yeah. That, and then in that lower picture uh, is Kyle Guy, uh, who had been weeping into his jersey one year earlier. And, and then here's my daughter, Eliza, celebrating with me. Hi, Eliza. Hope you're watching, girl. And, uh, and we were just going nuts, like, after that. We, she actually had one game where she was like... She had to run from the room and was almost crying because we thought, she thought we were going to lose. And then we won in the most dramatic way possible. Yes, I say we. <laughs> Those of you who say, it's not you. You don't play the games. Yes, but we follow them. Come on. <laughs> Anyways, 
So now if you love sports, winning a championship is always awesome. But the UMBC loss, take a look at the contrast there, those two images. The UMBC loss in 2018 made the championship in 2019 that much sweeter, that much more amazing. So here's my benediction for today. Virginia basketball rules, Tony Bennett, coach of the year, wahoo wah. Uh, God bless you. All right. I think God's got a few more things to say to us than that. That would be a funny way to end the message, though, wouldn't it? You'd have to admit that. Here's a different story on a human scale. This guy right here, you probably have not heard his story. He's known by his trail name, Sleeves. I don't think I actually know his real name. But he, is a, he was a through hiker. If you know what that means, uh, in 2018... Again, it's 2018 and 19. This is kind of funny. Sleeve set out to through-hike the entire Appalachian Trail from one end to the other. That's 2,190 miles from Springer Mountain in Georgia through 14 states, Maryland is one of them, uh, to Mount Katahdin in Maine. And Sleeve's made it about 1,200 miles, a little over halfway, and in Port Clinton, Pennsylvania, uh, a fracture to his leg forced Sleeves to shut it down. He, tried, he kept trying to make it back on the trail. He took a few weeks off, and it just didn't work. And in his last video that he recorded for YouTube, uh, you could see it felt like he was almost holding back tears. Um, it was basically a concession. Just, I just can't do this. I'm, my body can't handle it. My leg can't handle it. I'm limping. I, I, can, I, I can barely even walk right now, let alone do a hardcore hike. It was so crushing. And I followed some other through hikers that summer, but I couldn't stop thinking about sleeves. How must it feel to watch his fellow hiker summit Katahdin, and he couldn't? In fact, he said in his videos, I just couldn't watch any hiking videos for a while. And then on top of it, that long fall and winter of rehab that he had in front of him. But in June of 2019, uh, almost a year later, I was shocked to see the, a new video he had posted. He was back on trail. He was back on trail. And then after a few more months of hiking, in September of 2019, Sleeves climbed Mount Katahdin and completed his through hike. The picture's a little funny looking, but that's him kneeling and thanking God that he had made it. Yes, he, he is somebody who loves Jesus. And it, he was just overcome with joy and thankfulness that he had made it. I love looking at that picture. In order to experience the fullest joy, we have to experience the grief first. Grief. It's the part none of us want to talk about. Especially now, at this time of year. I mean, it's, it's Advent. It's Advent. Come on. Even in the COVID world, we're doing stuff. We're putting up Christmas lights, trees. We're, I was just outside putting, like, using the stakes and hammering down 
so we got one of those uh, deer and sleigh in our front yard, and we were all that type of thing. Uh, that's going to sit there, and, and I'm going to worry about being stolen all the time. Uh, my wife and daughter are making crafts to sell at a virtual craft bazaar. Um, we'll probably end up making peppermint bark or Christmas cookies. We'll, we'll be watching Elf, White Christmas. My daughter's already watched Home Alone. Um, we'll be dancing around the, Christ, the, the kitchen to All I Want for Christmas is You. We'll be, yeah, or the Michael Bublé Christmas album. Yes, yes, we do that. And so do some of you. Don't be ashamed of it. But in the spiritual side of Advent as well, it's a season of hope, right? Jesus is coming. But have you ever considered how empty that idea of Advent is if we don't consider the grief? See, a lot of us avoid grief at all costs. Why? Well, it's pretty obvious. Reason number one, grief sucks. I don't know anybody who chooses grief. I mean, you know, I'll do today. Everybody else is having a great time this Advent season, but I think I'll stay home and I think I'll grieve today. That'll be just great. Uh, no, we don't think that way. And in some ways, grief also sounds kind of like complaining. Complaining. Well, that sounds like it goes against the idea of thankfulness, right? So a lot of us feel funny grieving. It feels like you're indulging yourself in sorrows or something. So grief sucks. But here's another one. Grief shows us our need. Well, it forces us to accept or focus on what we lack. But all of us like to feel good about life as much as possible if the circumstances allow. We don't like to feel needy. Um, there was, uh, if you remember the story of the rich young man, think of his reaction when Jesus says, go, sell everything you have, give to the poor, you'll have treasure in heaven, come follow me. What's his reaction? Uh, you want me to become poor and needy, Jesus? Are, are you out of your mind? Look at my life. I've got, I've got it all going here. I'll keep my riches. Thank you very much. We know Jesus wasn't, wasn't saying it from a... He, he wasn't trying to imply that. He was saying this. You are poor and needy. Your material wealth makes it impossible to accept that this is true. But you are poor and needy. I'm trying to free you. I wouldn't judge the rich man too quickly either. Through COVID-19 this year, the last eight, nine months, God has offered us an opportunity, yes, an opportunity to see our neediness and how fragile we really are, how much we need Him. Anyone enjoying it? Some people are doing well in making the best of it, but most of us would say we're not really enjoying this. But what's the common reaction? When can we get back to normal? Ah, and look, it's understandable we want a return to normalcy, whatever normal is now, you know. COVID has real costs, um, economically, psychologically, not to mention our physical health and the risks. 
I mean, it's understandable that we want to return to normalcy. I'm just saying circumstances like COVID force us to feel our need. And many of us would, not, would rather not be reminded of it. It kind of draws out the part of us that we don't feel so comfortable with that. We don't like having our neediness out there. Grief also feels, here's a third thought, grief also feels counterculture. You know, Advent in our culture is anything but reflective. You have the Thanksgiving Day prayed, uh, if anyone watched that. I, I always have fun, our family watches it, but oh my gosh, is it one thing after another. You are basically bombarded with all these elements of culture, all these elements of things you want to watch and see over the next few weeks as the Christmas season unfolds. Um, then you have, you have all this Christmas programming coming up. You have Black Friday, and then tomorrow is Cyber Monday, and then, of course, Giving Tuesday and everything else. But in the midst of all this, corporations want us to feel envious. And you can see it in the advertisements this time of year. People whose life is just maybe 25% better than ours, or appears that way. But they want us to feel envy. They want us to feel excited. They want us to feel drawn in. But grief, yeah, that's not going to sell. But it's not just secular culture. Even in church culture, who wants to talk about grief? I mean, Advent should be a time of joy, exuberance. But here's what I think happens to us when we don't take time to consider the grief side of things. Around churches, we often don't know what the point of it all is because life is good as it is. We're focused on the good. There's, you know, it's kind of turns into, oh, look, honey, look, there's the Advent wreath. Isn't that nice? I've forgotten it's Advent now. Ah, and there's that, that one candle that's purple. I always forget why there, there's a purple one. Some churches, it's a pink one, but oh, it's, I guess we're in Advent season now. I was kind of ready for us just to celebrate Christmas, but I guess Advent will do. And, you know, it's, 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 now wait a second, but Jesus, it's the sign that Jesus is coming but I think he came last year, too. And I think he came the year before. And I think he came the year before that. In fact, I think Jesus is with us right now, yet I guess he's coming again. Isn't that nice? See what happens there? I exaggerate a bit, but has anyone ever felt at least some of that? Kind of, well... Advent's here, that's nice. You know, Jesus is coming, but he's already here. See, without an understanding of need, of our need before God, all the season really is, is harvest season turning into Christmas season, right? Why even celebrate Advent? What's the point of it? So let me transition us a little deeper with what we read in Psalm 80. Commentaries seem to disagree on whether that, that scripture I read at the beginning, the Psalm 81, that says, 
How long, O Lord? They, they disagree whether this was written during David's time, but it was prophetic of when the nation of Israel, the northern kingdom of Israel, would go into exile, or whether it was written during Israel's exile itself. But it is undoubtedly a song of grief. Listen to the words again. How long, Lord God Almighty, will your anger smolder against the prayers of your people? You have made them, you've fed them with the bread of tears. You have made them drink tears by the bowlful. You have made us an object of derision to our neighbors and our enemies mock us. A little context. Israel had turned away from God to idol worship and all kinds of deplorable behaviors uh, associated with worshiping false gods that uh, the neighboring countries around them worshiped. And in 722 BC, uh, Samaria, the capital of the northern kingdom, fell to the Assyrians. The people were forced to leave their homes. They were forced to live in a land where their Jewish identity and customs were ridiculed, even punished. Other nations laughed at them and celebrated their downfall. They had once been a powerful country, especially under King David, and who crushed everybody around them. And now, it was like, it was like Israel had become their own Goliath, and the other countries felt like, finally, he's been, they've been defeated. And in the face, in the face of this, Israel longed for restoration. Restore us, God Almighty. Make your face shine on us that we may be saved. See, Israel recognized, at least some of them, that the point wasn't going home to their homeland. It wasn't having every circumstance be made easy or convenient. The point was being back in a right relationship with God. That was the point. And over hundreds of years before Jesus was born, prophecies announced God would send a Messiah, a Savior to Israel. You see why we're tying this to Advent now. Um, but generation after generation cried out to God, wondering when this Savior would come. Generation after generation died off, having never seen him. Jerusalem in the southern kingdom was actually rebuilt after their exile, but their town, the town of Jerusalem was smaller than it had been in its heyday. A lot of things were not what they had been and not what people longed them to be. And this doesn't even get into the oppressive empires that would take over them later on, the Seleucid Empire and its attempt to crush Judaism altogether, uh, or the Roman Empire and its treatment of Judea. Let's just say there were many opportunities for grief strewn across Israel's history. But notice something in Psalm 80, though. The grief points Israel straight to God as their only hope. It points straight to Jesus. Until you can see your desperation, unlike the rich young man from earlier, you can't really grasp how amazing 
how redemptive, how joyful Advent really is. Here's a thought from Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who himself lived during the time of Nazi Germany. He stood against Hitler and paid for it with imprisonment and then his life. The celebration of Advent is possible only to those who are troubled in soul. Troubled in soul. Did you hear that? Who know themselves to be poor and imperfect and who look forward to something greater to come. Grief gets us to where we're able to see it turn to joy. See, grief lets us into our need. Grief shows us that what we trust in for joy in this life apart from God will always, always, always leave us empty. Grief is the dying of a seed so that a tree can grow and thrive. Grief, if brought to our Father, can bring something redemptive to us and to the world. Grief gets us to where God can use us more deeply. I know of a man named Don Chaffer, and Wendy will remember this from the Enneagram group, uh, from the Christian indie band Waterdeep. His mother died of cancer in his, when he was in his 20s. And he channeled his pain and his grief, and he made an entire album about grief. Like a bunch of songs about grief. Some of them are more uplifting. It's not all like, woe is me or anything, but there are some very sad songs on that album. And, but they get you to the place where you can grieve and really be real about it. That album has been a comfort to countless people who've lost someone that they loved. Grief moves us to understand people because everybody feels grief. It moves us to be someone they can relate to. What do we always think of people who seem to have the perfect life? We can't relate to them, can we? Well, their life isn't perfect either. It helps us to be authentic and helps others to be authentic because we are. Jesus himself was a man of sorrows, well acquainted with grief. We also know that because of Jesus, grief doesn't last forever. This is not a permanent state. It's a place where we begin so we can experience the awesome story of God redeeming us and redeeming this world. So we're going to have a little time to pray in just a moment, but I'd like to ask you, right now, what is grief like for you? Do you fear the places of grief in your life? And to be fair, some of the places of grief are very difficult ones. Does God want to lead you deeper into faith in a way that has to happen through some difficult things? Are you seeing your grief as the end of the story 
or the beginning of God's redemptive story. I just ask you to think about that today. So I'd like to wrap up today. You guys can come up if you want to. Uh, By bringing our grief to God, that doesn't mean reacting to every minute thing in your life that you don't like and saying, oh, it's awful. It means letting God show you where your real hurt is. It's not complaining about every inconvenience. It's considering what you really have lost. It's not expecting God to right every wrong in your opinion. It's entrusting yourself to God's loving arms and that he is just and good and he loves you. So first I would like to have a moment just to lift up to God, to pray for yourself and the things that you're concerned about. We're going to do a few things. So the first one is for ourselves. Why don't we just be quiet and lift up our needs and our desperation and our grief to God. Bring it to Him. Get real about it. Restore us, God Almighty. Make Your face shine on us that we may be saved. Second, I'd like to have us pray for those we love who are hurting. Maybe it's illness. Maybe it's someone who's lost a job or a business or someone who's really afraid right now. Someone who is approaching this Christmas season and they don't have a good feeling of abundance as they move into it. But just praying for those who are in a place of pain themselves and feeling grief for them. Not just saying, oh, I just pray for that person over there, but saying, God, my heart breaks for them. So let's pray for those we love who are hurting. Restore us, God Almighty. Make your face shine on us that we may be saved. And then let's pray for our world. Let's do this final. That's the last one. There's a lot of tension out there and a lot of people who are hurting. There may even be people you disagree with out there, but there can be no denial that there's hurt. We share that in the human experience. And in the body of Christ, we need to hold each other up. So, let's pray for the needs we see around the world and where the world is hurting and lift them up and feel their grief with them. God, to list the number of people around this earth who are struggling and suffering, those who are homeless, those who have no food, those who are oppressed, I mean, we can't even mention them all. It's, we live in a broken world, Lord. And Lord, we choose not to distance ourselves from that grief, but to love those who are suffering by feeling it alongside them. Lord, we pray for your kingdom to come and your will to be done in this world. We want you to be lifted up and the whole world to see you, Jesus. Restore us, God Almighty. Make your face shine on us that we may be saved.